Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Wow. I tell you, there's something about that song and that line that we just worshiped the Lord with. Not for a minute was I forsaken. And when you've lived through that, when it seems like everyone closest to you that you trusted in and believed in and, and loved dearly and everything walked out the door and you felt like the loneliest person on the planet and God whispered in your ear, I'm still here. Man, when, when, when we come to that line, when I'm singing that in my car or my truck and it, it just, there, it, like my old pastor used to say, it's better felt than telt, right? Nothing like owning that and knowing that God is right there no matter how many people walk out on you, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. So, wow, I mean, just an amazing time already, and, and it's not over with yet. If you would, grab your handouts, and on the uh, one side is a place to take some notes. And uh, welcome to week three of Upside Down Kingdom, our current study here at Connections Church. And in the first week, Pastor Scott, he started us out by talking about the utmost importance of belonging to God's great kingdom and, and, and how vital that is. That is the most important thing in life. And then last week, Pastor Terry and I, we, we turned our attention to the first shall be last and the last shall be first and what all that really means to us, which is basically that in heaven there is no rank or order that we all get there as followers of Christ and God sees us all the same as his children and none are any more important than the other. Isn't that a beautiful thing that we all are loved by our heavenly father and, and there is no, no numbers. You know, you throw out the numbers in heaven. There's no rank and file. So this week we're going to take it up a few notches and I, I want you to follow along as we read out of Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse 38. And if you don't have your Bibles, they've got it up on the screen, and we'll read it. And if you'll just kind of read along with us, you have heard that it was said. Now, this is Jesus speaking, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. As we continue going through that, if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic or your cloak or coat, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile Go with him too. Now, Jesus begins this by saying, you have heard that it was said. And, and then he quotes an Old Testament law from the book of Exodus, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This stipulation stood in great contrast to how the other nations dealt with personal in injuries. For instance, prior to giving, the, uh, giving of the Mosaic law, the world's ethic was unlimited revenge. In other words, if you killed my ox... I wouldn't just kill yours. I might exact my revenge by killing your entire family. That, that's pretty extreme, huh? It, it might ignite, in fact, a, a feud between the families that would go on for generations and generations just over an ox. How crazy is that? So it was in that context that the word of God came to replace the world's ethic of unlimited revenge with the legal civil ethic of limited punishment where the punishment more or less fit the crime. So our legal system today is set up on the same principle. This law, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was intended to eliminate the ethic of unlimited retaliation, which was again the prevailing ethic of the day. But Hear me this morning, church. It was never God's intention that this law be executed on a personal level. It was for the civil court. So when Jesus 
comes along and says these words, you have heard it said, but I say, he's not disagreeing with the law. He is merely arguing that it's meant to be applied at the government level and not on the personal one. So with that context, let's keep on going. Now, when Jesus gave this sermon to those, how many of you ever heard of the Sermon on the Mount? Greatest sermon ever preached. He gathered these thousands. They just came to hear him. I mean, he, he drew people like a magnet. And all these thousands of people out on this little hillside that was called a mountain gathered to hear his words. And he's going through this sermon. And, man, it's just packed full of powerful stuff. We went through this, I think, last year and, and, and hit the highlights on it. But, but when he comes to these things, I mean, when he makes these proclamations, if someone slaps you, then turn the other cheek. In other words, give them full permission to slap you again. If, if someone asks for your coat, give them your, your cloak as well. If someone asks you to go one mile up the ante and go a second mile for them. I'm sure at this juncture, people were following along. Things were going great. All the other stuff he spoke before that were real inspiring words and, and great things to hear and how, how important marriage is and, and how you've got to stay away from adultery and, and how you've got to, you know, not enter into oaths and, and, and that we're salt and light and all this kind of stuff. But when he gets here, I am almost certain that he loses some people. And, and here's what I mean. We, we feel good about things that make us feel good, Right? And we can just kind of flow with things. Like if I told you, oh, hey, man, I'm going to take you all out for lunch today, and I'm going to pick up the tab. I'm going to cover the cost of it. You'd feel pretty good, wouldn't you? But if I broke out something that was pretty difficult, I said, yeah, I'm going to do that, but you're going to come over to my house this evening, and you're going to clean my house, wash my cars, cook me meals for the rest of the week, and, and all that, you'd be like, okay, there goes my my great high and, and, and joy that I had for a moment. And so he gets to a part like this and he makes these kinds of bold statements. And I'm almost certain that maybe some people got him and said, well, that's it, Martha, I'm out of here. I'm not doing that. I mean, I was tracking with him when he laid out these other things. It was all going well and, and I was following along and I felt good about those things because they made me feel good. But, but wait a minute, I don't even want somebody to slap me one time, much less twice. Reason why is because simply number one on your outline, this is big time upside down. I was thinking about it again this morning as I was going through it and praying and getting ready. It, it kind of, this is the juncture where it separates the men from the boys, the girls from the women, right? This is where we find out who has on their big boy pants, right? Who's ready to go that extra mile, who's ready to say, Jesus, no matter what you call me to, no matter how hard, difficult, challenging, extremely painful it may be, I'm in. I am not going back. I'm not turning away. The reason why this is so hard for us is because none of this is natural to us, right? It's not natural to take a punch from somebody. It's not natural to let someone strike us. I mean, automatically we get defensive, right? We see somebody coming. We want to duck and guard. We want to roll out and then punch back, right? We want to defend ourselves. It's not natural. None of this comes easy. I'm going to tell you a little secret right here. None of this is really even possible on our own. Is that not right? Would you turn to somebody and say, I couldn't do it on my own? Could not do that. The concept of turning the other cheek is so difficult for us to grasp a hold of. A, allowing a second slap after being slapped once does not come naturally. I'm telling you, it's, it's tough. And in the section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, in which he commands us to turn the other cheek, he addresses the need for this. And you want to write this on the margin of your outline somewhere. True transformation. 
True transformation versus just mere rule keeping. It's not enough to obey the letter of the law. In other words, we've got to conform to the spirit of the law as well. Much of the material surrounding Jesus' comments and commands to turn the other cheek speaks of the nature of who he is and his coming to us, which was characterized by these things, mercy. Jesus was a man of mercy, of sacrificial love, of long-suffering towards sinners, and at the same time, he affirms the last is first, which we talked about last week, principle, upon which the kingdom of God is based. For instance, he tells us to go the extra mile for someone who uses us. Have you ever been used? You ever had someone come along and just use you for what they could get from you, and then when they've got that from you, they're like, you don't see them again, you don't hear from them? These are the kind of things that Jesus is challenging and encouraging us to, to do. He's saying this, we need to be pure inside and out and as accommodating as possible for the sake of the lost world. And we're not just talking about Jurassic Park lost world here, folks. We're talking about people who are lost and far from Jesus Christ. Now let's revisit the slap that Jesus says we should endure. He, he speaks of personal slights here, basically, because I, I just want to take a poll and I, I thought about this week. How many of you have actually been slapped in the face any time recently? Just raise your hands. Three of you, four, five, you've actually been slapped in the face. Not talking about by your parents. You probably had that coming, kids. <laughs> You're fortunate it wasn't worse than that, okay? Let's just be honest here. Not many of us have literally been slapped in the face. I was surprised any at all, but then when I saw who raised the hands, I wasn't that surprised, to be honest with you. I mean, just come on. Just kidding. Love you guys too. It's not often that we get literally slapped in our face, but how often does somebody slight us? How often does somebody betray us, stab us in the back, do us wrong, talk bad about us? How often do we go through those kinds of slaps, if you will? And, and, and even in those situations where it wasn't a physical striking of our body parts, something rises up within us and says, you hit me, I'm coming back at you even harder, right? That's typically the natural, normal, human, fleshly person that we strive to crucify so that the spiritual man of God and woman of God can come to life and respond, but it's, it's a struggle. So when Jesus is identifying this slap on the face, he's literally talking about this type of slight as well. I know there's a physical striking, and, and, and you can go and, and, and look at the commentaries and break it down, how you could hit with the open fist, not, not open fist, and all this, but we're, we're, we're talking about that as well as this type of somebody's done us wrong situation. A slap in the face is even a metaphor that we use today, right? How many of you baseball players in here? Softball players, when you get old and can't play baseball anymore, I've done both. There was something I used to say a lot, my wife, she kids me about it nowadays that I'm a veteran, that's <laughs> putting it nicely. Whenever someone, the opposing team, we'd have a couple guys on base maybe, and one of our big home run hitters came up, of course, they want to walk them intentionally because they don't want to give them an opportunity to hit it out of the park, score two or three, four runs or whatever, and then they the next guy would be coming up. And, and in my mind, I was always thinking, man, they, they think the next guy up is terrible. They think he, he doesn't have a chance or she doesn't have a chance to, to do some damage here. So I always had this rallying cry whenever they would intentionally walk somebody to get to somebody else on my team. I'd say, hey, 
Hey, Rod, it's a slap in the face. Make them pay for it now. Come on, you know, so, and that's kind of a term that we use, and that's exactly a part of what Jesus is explaining here. People are going to slap you in the face both physically and in other ways. So how do we respond? And he says, basically, did, does someone insult you? Let them, Jesus says. Are you shocked and offended? Don't be. And don't return insult for insult. Instead, turn the other cheek. Would you turn your cheek towards somebody and say, how about it? Can you turn the other cheek? All right, that was about eight of you. How about the rest of you try that? Look at somebody beside you and say, can you turn the other cheek? And I'm just going to tell you, that's super rare these days, even in the Christian world, because we've reverted back to an eye for an eye mentality, it seems like. And and, uh, here's the way I break it down. And here's the Thompson translation. It seems like too often our redneck comes out, right? I mean, face it, we're in the South, right? I'm not talking literally rednecks, even though we've got those this time of the year in July where the sun's baking down like 190 degrees and humidity's like 1,000%. But, but I'm talking about the, the red that comes out of us where that old man wants to, wants to come back up and say, hey, wait a minute, I'll take care of this. Man of God, you just take a seat for a minute and let me handle this situation. I'll pay him back. And Jesus is saying, No! No, 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 this is not how we are to respond. Now, now, secondly, on your outline now, the point is not that we are to be doormats or punching bags or passive. Please, please understand this. This turning the cheek does not imply that we just take everything. And it doesn't imply that we put ourselves or others in a dangerous situation. When Jesus commanded us to turn the other cheek, it's simply a command to forego retaliation for personal offenses. To let it go. To say, in essence, Lord, you take this. Because I I can't do this right now or it's going to get bad. Or I'm going to go somewhere, say something, do something that I should not be doing as a person who's in love with Jesus Christ. As a person who has supposedly picked up my cross and is following after him. I heard a story years and years ago, and I think I used it as an illustration for Easter one Sunday where this, this church always put on the passion play. And, and as a part of their play, they would, they would march through the, the main street of their little town every year. And, and the characters would go, go through the, the town almost like a parade to get ready for the, the big production they were putting on. And, and they, were, they were doing it again this year. And, and they had the, the man who played Jesus. And he had the, the crown of thorns on his head and, and he, you know, the, the blood dripping down. And, and you know, symbolically, they'd they, they done him up right and had his cross and his carrot and and there was some guy some guy from town was was walking down the street as they progressed down the street and and he was heckling them i mean think about that they're, they're putting on this you know passion play to represent the crucifixion and the resurrection all this and and as they're parading down main street towards their church there's a heckler heckling jesus that's not the bad part The bad part was after about 15 minutes of it, this guy playing Jesus couldn't take it anymore, so he laid his cross down, he went over, and he decked the guy. That's the bad part. I mean, come on, give me a break. So so Jesus here is saying, listen, I don't want you to be a doormat, and, and I don't want you to respond like that. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had a spouse come to counsel and and tell me that there's been physical 
abuse happening in, in the relationship. And my counsel is always to get out now. I'll go get the stuff, whatever we have to do. Let's get the authorities involved. Your safety is of utmost importance. You're not supposed to be a punching bag. And that's not the point at all that Jesus makes. And, and basically the world tells us there are two options in the face of violence. We either fight back or we just run away and do nothing. But here is, is Jesus offering a third alternative that I believe is the right alternative for every believer of Christ, and that is an active nonviolent resistance. In other words, if we don't believe in a certain thing that's going on, say abortion, we don't go down and blow up abortion buildings and kill people, do we? That's not, that is the wrong response. However, it is up to us as believers to do something to give an alternative option, and that is to say, hey, let's get involved with adoptions. Hey, let's save people. Hey, let's go and pray. Hey, let's go and love, and let's go and do everything we can in the way that Jesus Christ would do it to, to be actively against whatever God's against and for whatever God is for, but we can't take it to the extreme and go in the wrong place with it. We can't strike back when others are striking. If we do that, guess what we are? We're the same as they are. And Jesus is saying, that's not who I created you to be. That's not who I'm transforming you to become. That's not who I want you to, to be and, and, and things to do. And, 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 and I, I, that's not your nature. You've got a new nature in me. You're a new creation in me, Christ Jesus. So here's this thing of creative, nonviolent action that Jesus is, is saying. He's saying things like, hey, you can, you can turn. You, you can walk. You can give. These are active action words, church. These are things that we can do. And, and add to that, you can pray. How many of you pray on a regular basis? And I'm not talking about when you didn't study for that test and you're walking through the door and it's time to take this. You're like, Lord, help me. Help me get an A on this test. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer. That, that prayer just, it stinks. Because God's up there saying, you should have studied. I made your brain. I know you really well. You needed to study to get through this thing, man. Come on, give me a break. It's no slight on anybody because I was that studying guy. I needed everything I could get. Sometimes I had to have little notes written on certain body, but we won't go there. That's all under the blood. Thank you, Lord. I like to share with my neighbor, too. What you got for number seven? You think it's right? Because you got to ask that, man. If you're, you're, you're looking at your neighbor's paper and they're dumber than you are, I mean, that's not going to help you much. I don't know how I got here, but whoop, let's bring it back. Okay. These are action things that we can do as the people of God. How many of you believe people, God, God's called us as his people to be active, to take action, and not just sit back and take everything, and not just say, well, it's just going to happen. I mean, the world's going to do what the world's going to do. No. We are called to be salt, right? And salt preserves things. I mean, we know, we like to think of salt making our, our, our corn on the cob taste better and our watermelon taste better and all that kind of stuff. And our french fries, man, from McDonald's, those little crispy thin ones that have salt on them, they just come out of the, the fryer. Man, we like to think of salt in that way. But when Jesus uses the metaphor of salt, he says it preserves the decay from taking over. We live in a world right now that is decayed by sin and getting worse each and every day. And so God has called us. It's okay, Dylan. I'm going to ride out the storm, brother. It's fine. God has called us to be that preservative in a, in a dark world that's it's getting worse every moment. And one of the ways that we do that is by 
taking these upside down actions. This stuff doesn't make sense, does it? This stuff doesn't come natural. I, I, I told you that just a moment ago. But this is what God's called us to. Now, please, please, again, understand that no one should stay in a dangerous or abusive situation at all. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Be clear on that. We aren't doormats or punching bags, but by all means, we aren't those people that are doing the hitting. Number three, the point is to rise above with love. I know that rhymes. That's pretty cool, huh? We got to rise above with love. It's just kind of pressed. It just rolls off the tongue, don't it? We've got to rise above with love. In our passage today, Jesus teaches us how to love, and I mean really love. If you go down to verses 43 through 48, just listen as I read them to you here in this same chapter 5. He said, you have heard it said, again, to love your neighbor and to hate your enemy. But I tell you, and here, hold on to your seats, guys. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who what? What? Persecute you. Anybody been persecuted lately? Even less than those who got slapped lately. Okay. Pray for them that persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Verse 46. If you love those who love you, get this, church, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Verse 48, you think it's gotten tall then? Listen to this. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that perfection literally means being perfect in and through Christ, who is our what? Perfection. Again, we can't do it ourselves. How many of you lived a perfect week this past week from last Sunday morning until 10 o'clock this morning, and you walked in the door and said, made it! I was perfect this week. Didn't have a bad thought. Didn't have a bad intention. Didn't cuss anybody out on my way to work on the, on the, on the Interstate 85. Man, I made it all week and was dead, solid, perfect. Any hands going up for that? Raise your hand. Luke, come on, bro. You're five, six. I know you wasn't perfect. I love you, bro. You, you. Okay. This is some tall stuff here. God's love is so revolutionary and radical and seems reckless to those who don't really know him. To love those that don't love us, to actually care about those that literally go out of the way to persecute us in whatever way, shape, or form that would be. I mean, are you serious? I mean, this, this is stuff that just keeps escalating, escalating, escalating. He said, hey, you think the bar's high here? Give me a few more minutes. I'm going to raise it way up to here. And then when you just think it's high there, then guess what? I'm going to take it way up here. But I love this. Jesus says, I'm not leaving you helpless to where you have to try to do this on your own. Because again, we can't do that, right? He says, I'm going to live in you and through you. My power will be your power. My love will be your love. My patience, uh, come on, patient people in here. Who needs some patience? Some of you are scared to raise your hand because, you know, I know what happens when you pray for patience. I know how that works. I did that before, and I swore I'd never do it again because all of a sudden you get all these opportunities to exercise that patience, to, to grow in patience. And guess what? That's not fun. But Jesus says, my love will be your love. My grace will be your, my mercy will be your mercy. When that person attacks you, when they tear you down for no reason, guess what? I'm going to rise up big in you. And instead of striking back, we're just going to pour mercy on them. 
Instead of hating them, we're going to forgive them. Instead of holding that grudge, we're just going to let it go, let it go. There's a frozen fan back there. That's, that's how we rise above with, with love. And, and really, the point is to be like Jesus. I mean, that's, that's the whole deal right there in a nutshell. There's, there's two things I put there. Number one, he didn't strike back. His instructions to us is that if you want to demonstrate the righteousness that is from the heart, then even when you are personally insulted, maligned, and treated with contempt, then you're going to turn the other cheek, which symbolizes the non-avenging, non-retaliatory, humble, and gentle spirit that is in your heart and life that I have brought. That demonstration of true meekness and love. Before he went to the cross, he was treated with great contempt by those in the court and then later by the soldiers. They mocked him and beat him and spit upon him and pulled his beard and yet he uttered not a word against them. Instead, Peter in his writings in the first letter, chapter 2, verses 20 through 23, penned these words. Jesus, instead of retaliating, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is the example that Jesus gives us, that, that he goes on to say that while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting, kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. In other words, Jesus said, I will not fight back. I will not strike back. I will not speak back. I will not retaliate in the way that you are punishing me. Instead, I trust my heavenly Father to take care of all of this. And I don't take that power in my own hands. Man, that's tough. I'm sure many of us have read of accounts of people who have lost family members, parents who have lost children, the hands of drunk drivers. Those accounts that go something like this, they, they walked into the courtroom and with tears pouring down their faces, they looked at the, the guilty one, the offender, the one who took the life of their loved one. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, they looked and said, I forgive you. I don't hold this against you. You talk about Jesus doing that at Calvary 2,000 plus years ago and fast forwarding all these years. How can somebody do that? It's only Christ in us that enables us to do all kinds of upside down things. Like you would, you would want to go into that courtroom and the natural man and the fleshly man and you would want to rip them apart and take their life for taking the life of that one that you love. But instead, you go in there and you look at them and you forgive them and you release them. Sometimes we hold on to the most petty things. Well, so-and-so didn't talk to me at church this morning. Hmm. See if I ever talk to them again. Really? So-and-so might have been having a really bad day and just like, you, you ever been there? You're just like, whoop, you're zoned out, man. You don't even know where you're at. You're just trying to make it the next step. And you think that they slighted you? Jesus never never went back at those who uh, tortured and abused him. 
But at the same time, I want us to know and understand that he was never a pushover either. How many of you remember the account where he walked into the temple courts and the business people had set up shop and they were buying and selling offerings and making money and, and, and it wasn't about what was going on to offer God's sacrifice. It was about putting the mighty dollar in their pockets. And Jesus walked in and he, he experienced what was going on and he said, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. You money changers. And the Bible tells us he took a what? A whip. And the Bible tells us he did what to some tables? He turned them over. And he ran them out. He drove them out of his father's house. Well, that's a righteous. Jesus wasn't necessarily being slighted, but these people were slighting God the Father. There's a difference when we want to stand up for ourselves and I've got rights and you can't treat me like that. You can't talk to me like that. And we're defending our stuff. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. Don't defend your stuff. Let me take care of that. You walk in humility. You walk in forgiveness. You walk in mercy. But when somebody dishonors God, what are we to do? How many of you remember David, this young shepherd boy, was taking food up to his brothers who were on the front lines and they were supposed to be fighting the Philistines and when he got there, there was no fighting going on but instead there was this nine foot, six, six inch tall giant that was coming out every day cursing God, the God of Israel, cursing the armies of Israel, cursing the people of Israel and making a mockery out of it. And David, it wasn't a slight to him but I'm gonna tell you something, it was a slight to his God and something righteous rose up inside of him and said, this is not gonna go on any longer. I'll take care of this. If all you soldiers aren't gonna step, step up, I'll do it. And the Bible says he took a sling and a handful of rocks and he walked out there as Goliath mocked him and laughed. This little teenage shepherd boy standing before him until that rock drilled him right between the eyes and he fell on his back. And then David took the sword, Goliath's own sword, and took his head off. Jesus wasn't a pushover like so many want to paint him today in our society who just let anything and everything go. It's all good. Can't we all just coexist and get along and all roads will get you to heaven, and it's, it's okay. You're a good person. <laughs> your good outweighs your bad, so you're, you, you're there. Nope. It's not biblical Jesus anyway. <laughs> not the real Jesus. So, he wasn't a pushover. As God's people, we are to stand up for God's honor. That's, that's a call that we have, and lastly today, Choose love and not revenge because love is God and revenge is death. Revenge is poison and it will never satisfy is what we put on your outline. It will never change what happened to you. Listen to me. But if you follow through with it, it will change you forever for the worse. It will never satisfy. It will never bring or change what happened. Listen to these statements about revenge, and there are so many of them out there that I, I found this week. I, I just wanted to share a few. One is a man who desires revenge should dig two graves, one for the enemy that he's against and one for himself. An eye for an eye will only make the whole world blind, Martin Luther King Jr. shared. Revenge is not worthy of you. If you concentrate on revenge, you will keep those wounds fresh that would otherwise have already healed. Revenge is the sweetest morsel to the mouth that ever was cooked in hell, Walter Scott said. There is no revenge so complete, and I love this one, as forgiveness. The best revenge, hear me this morning, church, and those of you that are watching and listening, 
The best revenge is to be unlike him who performed the injury. Upside down. <laughs> Upside down, this stuff makes no sense at all to the carnal, sinful person. The Apostle Paul summarizes what Jesus is teaching here in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. And I'd like to invite you to close your eyes and, and really allow these words to penetrate your heart and your life. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, Paul wrote. If possible, so far as depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room. Now he's talking to the people of God here. Leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But now get this. <laughs> you talk about raising the bar again, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. They are thirsty, give them a drink. And in doing so, you're going to heap burning coals upon their head, which is not actually a curse, it's actually a blessing if you'll study that, that terminology and, and what that means. Blessing them and causing them to examine their own lives. And then finally he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. In other words, rise above with love. Change your world. Change your life by living upside down. Not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, but very possible through the power of the Holy Spirit as Jesus Christ resides in and through our lives. With your eyes still closed for just a moment, let me just ask this. Are you a part of God's kingdom? Or are, you, are you a part of the family of God? Are you a, a son and daughter of, of God through accepting the salvation of Jesus Christ in your own life? If so, thank you for that. Best decision you ever made. If not, and you're here this morning, would you just raise your hand and say, I'm not, but man, I want to know Jesus personally. I want him to be my Lord, my Savior, my everything. Would you just raise your hand so we can know better how to pray for you right now? Anybody at all in this room? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? Raise your hands across this room if that's you in your life. Yes. Thank you. Maybe you're here and say, you know what? I, I've struggled in this stuff big time. I, even when I, I read the, the, the title, I thought, what? I, I don't want to hear this. Even as you started this morning, I, I thought, I definitely don't want to hear this. Because sometimes people just kind of revel in their grudge, their hatred, their bitterness, their hurt. Sometimes that becomes the, the comfortable way of living. Sometimes that, that becomes a catalyst for your life, which is nowhere near what God has for you. If you're in this room right now and you would honestly say with every eye closed for just another moment, Robert, I, I've struggled with that in my life and I need Jesus to come. Fill me with love and compassion and forgiveness and release those and release that stuff and just move it out of my life completely. Would you just raise your hand up and say, pray for me today with these others. I, I need God's help desperately. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Just raise your hand up. That, that's where I'm at. I'm struggling with that. I, I want to I be like Jesus, but I, I've, I've held on to some hurts. I've thought about revenge. I've even carried out some of it. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Let me see your hands right now all across this room and say, I'm letting it go today. I'm, I'm trusting Jesus with it. I, I want his forgiveness and his healing and his help to live different. 
to think differently, to respond differently in my life to those around me. Would you raise your hands if that includes you? Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Thank you. Maybe you know somebody that's trapped in that in their own lives. And God's put them heavy on your heart right now. And you say, you know what? I, I want to I pray for them. I want to stand in for them and believe God for release in their lives. Would you just raise your hands all across this room and say, I trust in God for a friend and a family member. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. I want us to, to gather right here. If you raise your hand or if you didn't, you just you need God to come and touch something in your life. Would you just meet me right here on this, this blue rug at the front of the church for just a moment so we can... We can pray personally together. And then some others who want to pray with these folks as they're coming. Would you come now? Just, just make your way down. If you raise your hand for some call of ministry in some area in your life that God's dealing with, would you come and, and just give it to him completely? Surrender that completely right now. And some others to come and surround these as they make their way down. Come on, gather in. Gather in. Thank you. Thank you. I want everybody across the room to stand if you can because we're going to pray and they're going to wor- we're going to worship one more time in song and then we're going to let you go. And as these are already beginning to pray and minister one to another, surrender those things that, that's been a struggle in their lives. Here's what I want to encourage. Tonight, we don't do this often, but tonight we're having a very special worship night. It's not a concert not a time for our amazing team to show off their amazing talents it's a time that we as family just come together get lost in the presence of God and allow him to to fill us to overflowing and do great and and awesome things in us as we honor him who is totally worthy of all of our praise and tonight we've landed on the theme of it's personal and man it is personal those times and those encounters we have with God in our hearts and lives. So would you make sure you're back this evening, but right now we've got a little unfinished business. So would you stretch your hands this way? And Heavenly Father, I thank you for men and women who are real and who are honest, who would say, you know what? I've got some struggles. You know what? I need Jesus to come into my heart. You know what? I need to release some things that have have held me in its grips for far too long that are not of God. You know what? I know people who are dealing with some things, God, who need to to be freed from that and released and have healing and forgiveness. And and they need to give that to others and not not seek revenge and not be bitter and angry and God in that prison any longer so God right now thank you for the faith of these that have come thank you for those who are surrendering everything to you Jesus and inviting you to come and be Lord of their lives there is nothing like being a part of the kingdom of God belonging to the family of God and right now thank you for folks who are entering into your family fresh and new right now as heaven celebrates and throws a party now for those who have come home and have found you as Savior and Lord and the forgiveness and the freedom and the life the abundant life that you give Right now, God, we honor you and we bless you and we thank you for those who made bold steps today, who said, you know what? It can't go on like it's been going any longer. I choose Jesus today. I choose to allow the Holy Spirit to come and transform me from the inside out. And even some that didn't walk up to the front of this church right now, God, you are pressing on my heart that there are some right now standing in front of those chairs 
that are in desperate need of transformation, God, who, who just couldn't raise a hand or couldn't walk up here. But Lord, right now, you can encounter them right where they're at and do what you desire to do. So I just pray for that surrender to take place all across this room and even outside of it. For those who are watching right now and listening right now, not only today, but in the days to come, God, we honor you and we bless you. And we count these things done in the name of Jesus. And now we lift you up in song one more time this morning and worship you together as a, as a family. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more information, you can go to connectionschurch.church or follow us on Facebook and Instagram.